is that there is this rampant and egregious over and incorrect diagnosis of hypothyroidism. It doesn't mean that hypothyroidism does not exist. Of course it does. But there have been major outcries, even published in the journal of thyroid or in Medscape, that there is this drift to incorrectly diagnosing people, albeit probably because we're trying to help them, but it ends up doing way more harm than it does good. And you're just a, an example of that. That's Dr. Michael Ruscio. And this is episode 408 of the Wellness Force podcast. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. How can we bring awareness and reverence to all the little mundane elements of our life and begin from that platform of sacred relationship to the self to begin to orient towards others in that same way? If you felt bad with the last millionth of a second, well, let go of the things that were making you feel bad that millionth of a second and be new right this millionth of a second. If you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. What goes through your mind when you hear the word CBD? Is it confusion? Is it clarity? Well, our partner Cured Nutrition has full clarity on 100% organically farmed cannabidiol. Say that like five times fast, cannabidiol, cannabidiol. <laughs> it's way more than just CBD. It can be quite confusing out there in the world with cannabidiol and CBD. I simplified it. I did the research for the past two years. I found Cured Nutrition. I interviewed Joe on the podcast. It's episode 300. This is all the parts of the plant. They use the entire plant. You get the rich terpenes, the healing compounds that allow you to sleep well and move well. And multiple scientific research studies are showing promise around cannabidiol for pain management better digestion, and essentially amazing sleep by turning off your mind so you can rest. This full spectrum, 100% organically farmed hemp is grown in the sunshine rays of Colorado. I don't know if you've been to Colorado, but it's the perfect place to harvest powerful nutrients and plant medicine. That's really what this is. Medicine for your body and soul. I like to take the full dropper of the extra strength from Cured and put it under my tongue. I hold it for about a minute. And I feel, me personally, this gives my digestion and my stomach this warm, calming, almost buzzing feeling. Give Cured a test drive. They support the show. They also support you with 15% off. Just use the code wellnessforce at wellnessforce.com forward slash cured and you get 15% off your organically farmed full spectrum hemp. The best on the market. I've tried almost all of them. This is the top of the food chain. Go to wellnessforce.com forward slash cured and use your code wellnessforce to get 15% off so you can sleep well, love yourself, and love your purchase. Welcome to episode 408 of the Wellness Force podcast. I'm Josh Trent, your host and your guide on this audio journey. If you haven't done so, hit the subscribe button on your device wherever you're listening so you never miss another episode. If you want to get one-on-one -on -one or group support, coaching direct from us and me in the Wellness Force community, just head to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. That's wellnessforce.com forward slash M21 to get your free M21 wellness guide. I built this guide out of 400 plus episodes so you can get all the distilled wisdom in less than 21 minutes a day. We've had tens of thousands of people just like you 
and maybe your neighbor, use the guide to help them. And it works. It's free and it'll help you reboot and reset your wellness, weight, and energy. Today's podcast is for you if you've ever been misdiagnosed in your life or if you know someone who's gone through any kind of malpractice or misdiagnosis, you're not going to want to stop listening to this episode until the very last second because we have for his fifth return, that's right, our five-time repeat. Is that a five-peat? A a five-peat of Dr. Michael Ruscio on the show today to talk about hypothyroidism, thyroid symptoms, and the truth about hypothyroid. Look, I'm just going to get right to it. I was misdiagnosed with hypothyroid uh, personally, and I'm going to be sharing about this on my journey on the Wellness Force channel. Let's get right to the content with Dr. Michael Ruscio, because in this episode, we're going to cover my own personal hypothyroid misdiagnosis, the role of sleep and uncovering core health issues and unwellness, and how singing can actually improve your sleep. And of course, we'll go over the nuts and bolts of which lab tests do you actually need, which lab tests are beneficial. By the end of this show, you're going to have massive intelligence that you can put right to action. So please share this podcast. Share this podcast with somebody that you care about, maybe someone that's gone through a misdiagnosis. Your little act of generosity, your swipe, your copy, your paste can change someone's life. Michael Ruscio is a clinical researcher, a doctor, and a best-selling author whose practical ideas on healing chronic illness have made him an influential voice in functional and alternative medicine. He's really America's go-to gut health doctor, the author of Healthy Gut, Healthy You. You're going to learn so much from Dr. Ruscio. Share this podcast with someone that you care about. Michael, welcome back to the show. Hey, buddy. Good to be here. This is going to be a fascinating one. I personally have been dealing with what seems to be some thyroid issues, but we're going to get even more clarity today. This is your fourth time on the podcast, man. I think think this is the first we've ever had a guest on four times. So thank you for coming on again. Awesome, brother. It's it's great to be on. And, you know, you you pinged me, if you don't mind me kind of jumping right. Let's do it. uh, Let's get right to it. You pinged me with with kind of a, oh boy. um, Yeah. I could, I could feel the the fear in your email. Yeah. I was just diagnosed. Well, yeah. You you told me I've got some. It was more like concern. It was like, it wasn't like like crazy fear, but I was concerned. Yeah. So there's some concerning stuff in my lab work and I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, what's going on? You sent me your labs and my comment back to you is, yeah, I mean, cholesterol might be a little bit better. Perhaps we could pull back some metabolic stuff. Nothing there that I'm super concerned about, but sure, if we're trying to tune you to optimal, there's some signs of, of maybe metabolic excess or slowing. And then you replied, well, what about the hypothyroidism? And I said, what hypothyroidism? Yeah. And this is what had been concerning you. And this, this is a perfect example of what we had discussed in the podcast in the past, that there is this rampant and egregious over and incorrect diagnosis of hypothyroidism. It doesn't mean that hypothyroidism does not exist. Of course it does. But there have been major outcries, even published in the journal Thyroid or in Medscape, that there is this drift to incorrectly diagnosing people, albeit probably because we're trying to help them, but it ends up doing way more harm than it does good. And you're just an example of that. Yeah. And I wanted to bring you on because this has been your world for so long. How many years have you been involved? If people haven't heard our other three podcasts, which we'll link right here below this video, but how many years have you been specializing in autoimmune and gut health and the enteric nervous system and thyroid function? Like this has been a long journey for you. Yeah. I mean, it's been about eight years from, from the start, although it's, it's been about, I'd say three or four years that I've really been honing in on, holy smokes, you know, there, there is this, this division within alternative medicine that's 
again, trying to help people, but incorrectly labeling people with a disease when they're actually in an acceptable normative range. And why this is so problematic is because literally once per week at the clinic, which is now a five doctor clinic who, you know, who are all working together to publish research and try to rectify some of this. And we're about to publish or at least submit for publication a case series exemplifying exactly what you've been dealing with, this incorrect diagnosis that ends up harming people. Mm. Um, so it's only been about three years, four years that I've really been queuing in on this happening so frequently that I will see a case of this per week. I mean, it's, it's that rampant. And coming back to that paper that was published in the journal Thyroid from 2018 by a researcher named Levanas, he wanted to assess this also in a controlled research setting. So he took a group of people who had kind of an ambiguous hypothyroid diagnosis, had them stop their medication, and then retested six to eight weeks later to see, does your thyroid maintain normal function, meaning you weren't actually ever hypothyroid? And 60% of individuals were able to come off the medication and maintain normal levels. Wow. So there is some data to show you how common this, this actually is. All right. So what I've been dealing with over the past, I would say 12 months plus because of the COVID and lots of stressors, you know, I'm going to have a, a, a baby boy soon. And like mm -hmm. that comes with its own unique stressors. So I think it was a, I thought it was a beautiful way to just be transparent and just be open and honest so that my journey could be shared with other people, other men specifically that are sure. dealing with some of the symptomology and also really the erroneous uh, diagnosis of me having hypothyroid, because as you've mentioned, this is something that's kind of being abused right now on a large scale. So can we set the foundation of how we came together? I was working with a concierge clinic. I'm not going to name their name, but um, the woman was very serious with me on our consult call. And she said, we need to put you on all kinds of medications and all kinds of supplements. And, you know, we need to really get you in the space of understanding that your body is broken. I remember she actually said that she said, your body is broken. And you need to understand that by you taking the uh, specific drug, I believe it was, um, what's the, the specific thyroxin. drug? The yeah, the thyroxin. thyroxin and maybe, yeah. I think there was a couple other ones too that were that were like clinical drugs. And I thought, you know, I'm going to get a second and even third opinion. So I talked to my friend Ari Witten. He echoed a lot of your sentiments and that led me to you because I trust you, man. So let's, yeah. let's unpack this step by step for people when men or women, but we'll just speak from a man's perspective because I'm a man. When we get diagnosed with hypothyroid, what does that actually mean? What is the truth about that? Maybe let's just start there. Uh, I mean, I just, firstly, let me just say, I, I really find it disheartening the way this clinician handled the conversation. When people aren't feeling well, there's already a predilection to be a little bit anxious about, mm, I'm not feeling well. And your mind tends to go to the worst case possible scenario. Right. I've been there, right? I've bumped my shin, didn't realize I bumped it, felt a lump, thought I had bone cancer, right? So it's like, <laughs> you know, th these things happen. And if you prey upon that, yeah. It's really the wrong way to handle these conversations because uh, you end up making the person feel worse than they actually are. As clinicians, we should be trying to leverage the placebo in, in a positive way. Like, hey, you can heal and you can recover and it's not that bad and, and these things can be repaired. So anyway, you know, that, that aside, um, yeah. the, the problem comes down to this. There's this thinking that the conventional ranges for TSH and free T4 are wrong. And if we got you, or if we use these narrower criteria, 
we would be able to diagnose more people as hypothyroid and then get more people the care that they need, like levothyroxine or whatever type of thyroid medication. That's well-intentioned. But when you look at the evidence, that that, that argument has no good support for it. And I'm on the alternative side of the fence here, right? I'm I'm not constitutionally one who... um, you know, uh, uh, takes takes the, the other argument, but this is really where conventional medicine has it right. Now, what's the evidence for that statement? Well, the best evidence we have, and I'm sorry, let me take a step back and frame this. Using TSH would be the, the simplest way to frame this. So the cutoff point for TSH to distinguish hypothyroid versus normal thyroid is 4.5 at most labs. And the mistake that's being made in functional medicine is they want to see people at two or 2.5. And that's actually not how one diagnoses. The diagnostic criteria cutoff is 4.5. However, when someone is on medication, the goal is to give enough medication to suppress their TSH to 2.5. So the myth, the, the mistaken inference is functional medicine says, oh, if that's the ideal level based upon medication, everyone should be at that level. It's, it's a fair posit, right? But there's some really compelling evidence that shows us that this is incorrect. And that evidence is looking at what's known as subclinical hypothyroidism. Mm. These are people who have elevations of that TSH above 4.5. It's anywhere from 4.5 to 10, right? And these people will have that elevated TSH. They'll have normal free T4, but they'll have this kind of subclinical hypothyroidism. And the data there are clear that there's no additional symptoms in people who have subclinical hypothyroidism compared to normal healthy controls. And there's no improvements in symptoms when giving them thyroid medication as compared to healthy controls. With one exception, two exceptions, if you're infertile or if you're in your teens. Right, so if you're very young and infertile, then that subclinical hypothyroidism may benefit. But outside of those exceptions, there's a fairly robust amount of data showing that as TSH drifts even above that 4.5, there's no additional symptoms and there's no benefit from medication. So there's really ample evidence that using a two or 2.5 cutoff for TSH is a really bad idea because it doesn't correlate with symptoms and those people don't benefit from medication. So your TSH, just to pull it up here. We're going to go deep on this one because I can't even imagine how many people just do what they're told blindly with good intentions and And wind up addicted to metformin and all these other Mm -hmm. things. And this is why, back to my point, we are seeing one case per week. And I mean, I am seeing one case per week and I'm assuming the other doctors in the office are seeing about the same. That, that's the general consensus that when, you know, when we compare our notes, yes. we get, and we are going to publish on this. This is going to be something that we really target with our research because it, it is, it's really hurting people because we have seen cases who have been tried on one medication. And then a few months later, another medication, they go from levothyroxine and they add cytomel, then they go to armor, then WP, then a time release compounded, uh, you know, and for years, in some cases, they've been just shoehorned into thyroid, never feeling any better. They come to our clinic. It's like, Hmm, your sleep is terrible. You have bloating, constipation, and abdominal pain, 
Maybe this is GI driven. And in two or three months, they have their life back. Mm. Uh, So your TSH was 4.09 and your T4 was 5.7. So that T4 is in the lower end of normal, but it's still normal. And the TSH is also normal. This is not hypothyroidism. Uh, And if you want, I can can share this really quick on my screen just so people can see this. So here's your results. And as you can see, the lab does not flag any of this. You know, there's a 4.5 cutoff that we discussed. And here's the normal range. And the thinking is, well, I know that it's not abnormal by the labs, but that's what sick, you know, sick people have abnormal. And that, that's true perhaps in some things, but you know, perhaps we can look at a blood glucose of 109 chronically and say, okay, you know, that's a little higher than it should be. You're not full-blown diabetes, but there's something we can optimize there. But that's diet and lifestyle. That's not, mm-hmm. you have a frank disease that requires lifelong medication, A, and B, like we'd outlined a moment ago, there's evidence answering this question that this cohort doesn't have more symptoms and they don't benefit from the thyroid hormone. So the fact that you were told you were broken, it's, it's, it really upsets me because yeah. it, it causes harm to people psychologically, financially, and medically. Um, so- that's kind of the the long short of it. Yeah, and and for me what really matters is that I had this intuition, Michael. I knew that something was off. I didn't exactly know what it was, which is honestly how I, you know, wound up talking to you here. And I think the most important thing to point out is that it is always our right to have medical and health freedom where we continually seek out the real truth and the real answers. And so when I look at um, some of their recommendations, and again, I'm not here to slander any company. I'm just here to promote real knowledge that actually applies to people that might find themselves in my shoes. Um, They recommended HCG, metformin, NP thyroid. These are all things that really just are a cog in the medical, the Western medical wheel. And for some people they're needed. But for me, it was like something did not resonate both with my psyche and also with all the guests, including yourself, that I've had on the show. So from this place, is it really just about smart supplementation? Is it about lifestyle modification? You know, I can go into some of the things that I have been doing. And also, what are the other factors that might contribute to these numbers besides just thyroid-driven parts? Right. And and, and there's also another concept here of, you know, a lab forward clinical model, which unfortunately much of natural alternative and functional medicine has drifted into a model that's lab forward. And that's really a mistake for many things, not for all. There are some that are very clear. Actually, ironically, thyroid is very well steered by labs, but not incorrect interpretation of labs. Right. And this is again, where I think conventional medicine really has this right. Um, But in much of alternative medicine and functional and natural integrated medicine, it's labs, 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 labs. And what we're doing at the center, and this works much better, is it's a supportive and therapeutic forward, meaning here's all the therapies that have clinical trial evidence showing to help people with XYZ symptoms. And now let's organize those therapies in this you know cascading array of decision trees and navigate you through those until we figure out what works and gets you the result that you're you know, looking to get. That's a much better way because many of these lab forward clinical models are predicated upon theory. It's a theory that your TSH shouldn't be 
um, above 2 or 2.5. But what we're trying to use is there's actual proof of when people have these symptoms and they make this diet change, this lifestyle change, use this supplement, whatever it is, there's clinical outcome data showing it improves their symptoms. And a much better model, kind of speaking high level here, is to put that into a cascade of decision-making trees that you can walk the person through until you get the result. Sure, some, some lab work guides that slightly, but it's really the person and their symptoms and their response to therapeutics that drives the model predominantly rather than the other model, which is just treating labs and treating numbers. And it, that's really a mistake because much of that is based upon theory and it's, it's treating the person is chasing a number. It's, I'm sorry, it's, it's not treating the person and it's mm-hmm. chasing a number. Yeah. And a lot of the, I, I do think there's good intentions behind this, but like you said, one thing I noticed with this model, and I see it with a lot of concierge models is at the end of it all, there's a monthly supplement order or a monthly, uh, let's face it, like medicine order. Right? right. And these things don't necessarily hit the root cause. When you look at what I sent you and maybe for somebody who's going through what I'm going through, um, a little bit lower on the testosterone side, I'm at 358 for my total. Um, DHEA is about a hundred, um, free testosterone is 48. So I'm not necessarily high or even medium. I'm a little bit low on my, right. on my testosterone. Um, how do these things, how do these different markers come together? I understand we're not going to talk about numbers. This is about people. I'm the person (laughs) sitting across from you, but when you see my testosterone and my hormones combined with some of the numbers for the thyroid, um, what, where would you go as that tree you were talking about? You know, the starting tree of how to, how to look at somebody here holistically. Yeah. And so to, to the other recommendations, the metformin, I think has more merit. There are other ways of starting besides metformin, but I I think something that improves your metabolism makes some sense. Now that could be diet, that could be lifestyle, that could be exercise. And how I look at that in in kind of the cascading decision tree is looking at your sleep, your diet, and and other lifestyle factors first, and then seeing how far we can get the cholesterol profile along and also how that impacts your testosterone. Um, HCG will increase someone's testosterone. And there's more of a case to be made for something like metformin HCG in your case. But where I'd want to start is looking at your sleep to make sure that your sleep and your sleep quality is good. So you know, I'm not sure if you're tracking with Oura Ring and you're getting you know, consistently at least a B plus score in your sleep and modifying your macronutrients and looking at your exercise, you know, that would be probably the best few starting points based upon what I'm seeing here. Yeah, because my triglycerides, cholesterol, everything's really high. Um, three fifty five for triglycerides, and also cholesterol six point nine, triglyceride HDL ten point one four. So, like, I do see potential of. I went more on the higher protein, like ketogenic approach. It made me feel really lethargic and sleepy. But I'm almost mm. wondering, um, even in some of the conversations I've had with with Dan Party, the Mediterranean approach for somebody yes. like myself, obviously. You don't know my full history, but I'll just share. I have the the APOE three four allele. Some people are are understanding of that. Some people are not. I'm curious how you'd piece this all together. Yeah, so I'm so glad that you asked that because that was one of the first questions I was going to pose, which is you could be someone who kind of lower carb, higher fat metabolically does not work for them, and there is a cohort of those people out there. Um, 
it could also be that you need a bit more activity or a certain type of activity change. Mm-hmm. That's most likely where we're going to get the needle to move is a combination of, okay, you're doing kind of low carb keto ish. Let's move you to more of a moderate macro composition. And also if you're doing lots of cardio, let's get some weights in there. If you're doing lots of weights, let's get some cardio in there to kind of balance out the stimuli from an exercise perspective, Um, glance at the sleep just to make sure. And that would really be lifestyle macros and uh, sleep would be where we would start with this. And that does, these things do have an impact on testosterone. And it's not to say that that testosterone is problematic there. You know, it's another um, conversation, but there is this theory, at least of saturation point, meaning once you get past a certain level, higher levels of testosterone don't lead to any improvement in energy libido. Um, I don't know enough about that area to really be able to comment. It's not something we manage in the clinic. So I don't want to speak too far out of my area of specialty, but that's definitely where I would start. It's a great lens to start because we use uh, an eight sleep bed. And I don't know if you're familiar with that brand. Sure. So, yeah. um, so eight sleeps really great. It has thermoregulation. So it's tracking me all throughout the night and we get a sleep score. And so I can look at my phone here and I know like last night, for example, I was a 90 out of a hundred. So that's a great sleep score. So, and that's specific to me with that thermoregulation. And I really do like that. I like that I get to have some numbers. I'm also wearing right now the CGM, and this is from a company called NutriSense. It's Paul Saladino's company. So um, I'm noticing that, for example, yesterday was a holiday and everybody on holidays, right? We we sometimes uh, eat foods that maybe aren't the best. I had a slice of like uh, pie yesterday and I, I was like, okay, let's just see what happens here. It took me off the charts. I mean, I was like way above 140. It lingered for a super long time. And so I'm, I'm thinking, all right, Maybe this Mediterranean path is the way. And I have been doing a lot of sauna, a lot of echo bike, not necessarily uh, weight training. And the weight training I do isn't really intense. So I'm, I'm curious to play with some of these things. And honestly, Michael, like use the data to show me what's real. Otherwise, it's all just anecdotal. What are your thoughts on that? Ayurvedic medicine, as well as all the ancient and contemporary masters in health and wellness have taught us for centuries about the powerful benefits of apple cider vinegar. But what do we do when we want to take the ACV, but we don't want to expose our teeth to acids? Most people don't know this, but apple cider vinegar is an acid and prolonged exposure to acids can damage your teeth. So how do we get in the brain boosting, blood sugar stabilization, stamina, focused energy, and healing powers of this ACV without ruining the enamel on our teeth? This is where it gets easy with our partner, Paleo Valley, creators of the apple cider vinegar complex taken easily in tablet form without busting your tooth enamel. Paleo Valley created the ACV complex to meet getting organic apple cider vinegar into your body easy, fast, and without having to tolerate the taste. You know, that kind of like, (laughs) have you ever done a shot of apple cider vinegar? I know a lot of people that literally just can't handle the taste. So this is all your organic turmeric ginger, Ceylon cinnamon, and lemon on top of the organic apple cider vinegar combined with these superfoods. It's nature's way of saying you're welcome. ACV can stabilize blood sugar, promote weight loss, and improve protein absorption and digestion, as well as the big one, stopping heartburn symptoms. Heartburn symptoms are typically caused by too little stomach acid, not really too much. This apple cider vinegar complex makes getting this organic ACV into your body fast and easy and without having to choke on the taste of normal ACV. You can do this. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley 
Use the code Josh and get 15% off your apple cider vinegar complex. That's wellnessforce.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh to get 15% off your ACV complex. I'm, I'm curious to play with some of these things. And honestly, Michael, like use the data to show me what's real. Otherwise, it's all just anecdotal. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. The, the one thing I would, I would add is that um, there's some fairly big gaps that may occur with something like a, a mattress that tracks movement in HRV or a ring data will be a little bit better. Mm. But something that we've just started using at the clinic excuse me, is um, what's known as a home sleep test. So it's essentially a pulse oximeter with a, a microphone sensor on your chest to see if you're snoring. Mm. Um, and, and we're looking at how this correlates with uh, what's known as attended PSG or polysomnography sleep studies. Uh, my, my hypothesis, I want to be careful because it, it's, it's too early to really be able to say how much merit this hypothesis carries. But I do have one colleague who was diagnosed with severe and also central sleep apnea, his aura ring scores, which are better than mattress scores, was an, an A minus. So he had great sleep data from an aura ring. It was missing his central sleep apnea. And it's also important to mention that there are some simple things that can be done to improve sleep quality in a cohort that may have kind of relaxed musculature in their mouth, palate, and throat, like singing didgeridoo, or just meeting with kind of a physical therapist for the mouth known as a myofunctional therapist. Mm. Um, and that same colleague actually brought, so he had central apnea plus obstructive sleep apnea. He brought his obstructive episodes down to zero after doing a course of myofunctional therapy. So this is where I think, um, and I don't mean to be kind of self-promotional here, but I think a good clinic that that's forward thinking and not following the dogma of the field isn't going to pull you into the shoehorn thyroid diagnosis. And because they're not doing that, it reduces blind spots and then opens bandwidth for exploring other areas like sleep. Um, so there may be something there. Um, and you know, men are at higher risk for sleep problems than, than women are. Why is so, that? It may be due to having a higher degree of musculature and that musculature occludes the airway. So um, you're more dependent on having good tone. And there's actually, mm. this is totally theoretical. So I just want to excuse this in advance, but one of the things I wonder that may be leading to some of this, well, it's twofold. You know, what, what could be an, an increased prevalence of uh, sleep impediment due to kind of lax musculature. It could be part of the, the narrowing phase that Wes and A. Price talked about. Um, but it also could be, and this is this is the main theory, is traditional cultures. I think they sang more, and I'm I'm wondering. Yeah. At least I think they may have. Uh, you know, from what I've seen anecdotally, it seems that singing and playing certain types of woodwind instruments, like a didgeridoo, were more common than they are now. And those have been shown playing didgeridoo and singing has been shown to reduce obstructive sleep apnea because of how it improves the the tone of the musculature in the the palate, the tongue and, and the throat. Yeah. So the sleep angle, right? That that's yeah. one that we should look at if we're seeing metabolic uh, you know, insufficiency, so to, so to speak, or, or suboptimizations as well as you may just need to make a macronutrient shift and yeah. not say you have a disease and you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. That, that's a terrible, <laughs> yes. um, it's a terrible thing to, to kind of burden someone with, not to say that hypothyroidism is, is a tough thing to, to deal with. It's actually something that has pretty great outcomes, mm -hmm. but we don't want to label you that out of dogma. And that's, unfortunately, it's, that's really what it, it is. And if you even look at, at your provider, 
the way she handled the conversation, it, it reeks of dogma. You know, usually scientists are, are cautious and they're speculative and they may say, you know, well, there's some emerging evidence that suggests, you know, you're hypothyroid because you're above 2.5 TSH. We can do an empiric trial on thyroid hormone medication and see how you feel. That would be what a conservative, cautious scientist would say. Uh, it, it, it seems like you were given much more of a, a dogmatic clinician narrative, sadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it almost well, it did feel like, not almost, it felt like there was a system that was in place and it really didn't feel too far away from being in a traditional Western medical office. And the conversations about exercise, even when I look at some of the, the recommendations they made was like light walking, yoga, and stretching. because the analogy that was made to me was you don't want to tax your engine too hard. Look how off your values are. Look at all your biometrics and how off they are. You don't want to tax yourself. And, and again, like, like looking at the sleep. Great. I'll definitely wear the aura. I'll maybe even reference it to the data that I get from the eight sleep. And then also CGM to monitor foods. Sorry. I'm, to cut you up, but I'm happy to send you one of those home sleep tests. It's essentially a watch device that you wear for one night and you get that data. So it's actually pretty easy to do. You know, it's really great timing. Uh, we have a company called Tatch that we're going to have on the show. And I believe it's exactly what you're describing. I need to look more into the literature, but it's something that you wear. And I'm curious if it's similar to yours. So yeah, we can definitely link all these resources sure. down below. So from a from a consultative standpoint, what I heard from you is lifestyle, nutrition, sleep check, sleep quality check, not just length, but the quality of the sleep. Uh, anything else that I should be aware of or anyone in my shoes should be aware of? Well, I, I'd want to have you do a expanded cardiovascular panel just to see, you know, to, to get a better quantification of risk. This is something that's not in my area chiefly. And it's one of the, the kind of interesting things about having a clinic now that's expanded is we're developing a couple of subspecialties. And, you know, my area has always been GI and also the, the gut thyroid connection, you know, per our prior conversations. Um, but one of the new doctors at our clinic is uh, in internal medicine uh, and, and we're working behind the scenes to use kind of the same analytical processes that I've used with GI and thyroid to uh, further develop kind of a cardiovascular risk assessment. And we don't have that fully mapped out yet. We're still kind of midstream in the review of the literature, but I'd want to have you plug in there and just and do an updated profile. It's known as a VAP or an NMR. Um, to get a better sense on what your risk looks like and makes make some of those modifications. So it wouldn't really be modifying much in the way of what you said, other than, you know, some additional lab work to try to clarify your risk and then go into those same exact experiments that, that you mentioned. Is there a dream panel? I mean, the one that I got here, it seemed like there was many, many markers. I don't know how many there were total, but <laughs> when you work with people, is it nice to get a snapshot of literally everything or is it always symptom specific? No. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's such a mistake in thinking that labs are going to clarify everything. Labs are one third to one fourth of the information that we look at. Mm. And I can tell you what's far more valuable than lab work is having a meticulously crafted initial intake questionnaire where every question is an index to something that's going to be on our problems list. Does this person complain of snoring, right? That's a potential or, or, jaw clenching or dry mouth or receding gums. Mm-hmm. You know, did they have a history of braces and headgear? You know, do they, do they wake up with drool on the pillow? Do they wake up in the morning tired, even when they get enough sleep? You know, there's a little section of the paper that these are all flags for 
potential sleep disordered breathing. And, you know, if you build all of those things into your paperwork where you're not just asking BS questions just because some seminar told you to, which unfortunately happens a decent amount in the field, um, if you throw out the BS and you're really building into your intake process all these things that when the doctor reviews them, he's already thrown out a bunch of potential problems and honed in on others and he has rationales behind them and he's even built them into an order of priority. That's where the magic is. Then the labs clarify that, right? If we think, oh, maybe there's pancreatic insufficiency and they don't respond to frontline therapies for their diarrhea, now we can run that test to clarify. But the testing data in absence of all this other kind of dashboarding the individual is is very, very um, harder to, to derive meaningful information out of. Strength training specifically, it doesn't have to be low rep, high weight. I mean, this can be like 15, 20 reps. I mean, what kind of strength training do you see really make the biggest needle move for testosterone and for general health? Yes, again, not not my area, but from the conversations I've had with Mike Nelson, who follows us pretty closely, the impact of exercise on hormones is actually fairly minimal. There, there is an acute perturbation of hormones, but that may be an hour of a spike of growth hormone or testosterone, but it pales in comparison to kind of the 24-hour levels. Um, what I have heard, and I haven't fact-checked this yet, not to keep kind of beating on the sleep drum, but one thing that will tank metabolism and testosterone for males is an undiagnosed sleep issue. Mm. So really getting clear on that data. I'm, I'm really excited about this because it gives me new direction. You know, the, all these different wellness technology pieces, they exist and they all have their own unique lane. But I think combining the aura data with honestly, also the, the CGM that I have, that'd be fascinating to see how these sets apply and also doing mouth taping. That's the last thing I wanted to round this out with is Mike Mutzel and I talked about mouth taping quite a bit. I've tried it. Um, I don't notice anything because I haven't, you know, been up to watch myself sleep, <laughs> but have you yourself experimented with this? Have you, have you worked with anyone that's had success with mouth taping specifically? I, um, I have experimented with mouth taping. I noticed no change in my aura ring scores when I'm mouth taping or when I'm not. Okay. What I noticed really moved the needle for me personally was exercising earlier in the day and eating earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. um, that was that was fairly impactful. Now, there are a handful of, of patients at the clinic who have really seen nice improvements from mouth taping. And I suspect that mouth taping helps someone who is a nocturnal or nighttime mouth breather. For someone that isn't really a mouth breather, it probably isn't going to vector the same amount of benefit. I love that you talked about singing too. We just had a, a blessing here from my son and there was 30 people and we were all singing. Oh, and great. I thought this is a lost art form. And it's funny watching people, Michael, sing that aren't used to singing. They're so uncomfortable. It's like we've mm -hmm. lost we've lost the ability to sing. It's so right. interesting. I know you and I share a mentor and a friend, Paul Check, who you've podcasted with. And he brought this up to me. He was like, when did we stop singing? When did we stop dancing? When did we yeah. stop telling stories? And when did we stop honoring the mystery of life? So that is also what I'm plugging into <laughs> to my healing here. So we covered some, some great ground in the short time that we had. Is there anything you think we missed for somebody that finds themselves getting some numbers back that maybe produce fear, irrational, but still fear? Right. Um, what else can we let people know about? Well, you know, I think it's important to mention that even the healthiest people, uh, you know, myself included, I think I'm pretty, pretty darn healthy and actually perform athletically at a decently high level. Um, even those people have stuff, 
right? They have things, you know, there, there's good days, there's bad days. There's yeah. stretches when you feel like you're riding that wave and you're just crushing everything. And there's a moment when you get knocked off that wave and you feel kind of crappy. It's important to know that because when you're in that down, knowing that that down is somewhat normal prevents you from going to the worst possible case scenario in your mind. Um, and I, I would add to that, that just like people come out of those downs, people come out of those downs every day. And with, with the right clinical advice, things should make sense. You should feel heard. You shouldn't feel uh, you know, like you're being shoehorned or like uh, as if there's an excessive amount of fear. And I would look for a clinician who really seems to not be too confident or believe too fervently in what they say. Um, I would almost never use that kind of language with, with a patient or, or you, got, you got this and this is really wrong. We got, mm-hmm, that, that's, mm-hmm. it, it's not the way the scientific and clinical process works. It, it's very um, Sherlock Holmesian, right? It's, it's, a, it's a methodical, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, it's suggested, this is suggested and let's see how you do. And if you do well, that strengthens the rationale. And if you don't, we'll pull back and we'll go to the other problem on that kind of list that I mentioned, we, we kind of dashboard out for an individual at the start of their care. Um, so I'd look for those things because People can bamboozle you who know a scientific body of evidence with factoids. Um, it's just like when you talk to someone in finance, if you're not a finance person, so it all sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, but what you want to be looking for and how you can kind of cut through is the people who seem like they're really confident and it's got to be this way and not the person who says something along the lines of, well, you know, this has worked in many cases, but there's also, you know, antithetical data that suggests this. You can tell they're, they're really kind of looking at both sides and they're never too sure because they're keeping an open mind and looking um, at the pro and, and con data to any given point. Those are the sorts of things, those, those tonality uh, and narrative um, pieces that I think can help prevent people from being led astray. And just keep in mind that things can be fixed. Most stuff is not that big of a deal, even though it feels kind of crushing at times. Sure. And sure, there are some tough diagnoses, but for the most part, um, we all get knocked off the horse and a good clinician will get you back on it without scaring you to death. (laughs) Well, thanks for your knowledge and wisdom. So obviously we've talked about this healthy gut, healthy you, um, which is a phenomenal resource. It's almost 400 pages. Um, What is next for you in this functional medicine world, in this world of really like um, there's a lot of myths and there's a lot of truth in your world. So how are you going to rise to the top and what are you guys doing at your clinic and, and what's that like for you now? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. It's um, it's been a wild ride uh, in the sense that um the, the work and, and the philosophy we embody at the clinic has, has grown so much to the fact now that we have a, a team of five doctors and three or four adjunctive research staff. And our aim now is to work collectively to, to publish literature that really answers these questions for the field to give us some data to really rally behind and, and, and to try to outline uh, you know, the, the, fall, the, the fallibility in some of these hypotheses and really publish evidence for a better way forward and also to further legitimize natural and, and integrated medicine. Um, so it, it's, it's a real honor to kind of be in that position where um, you know, we can hopefully lead the field and try to reform some of these problems. And I think it's a natural growing pain associated with a field that's expanding. Um, there's going to be some philosophy or some thoughts that weren't correct. And, you know, we're, we're hoping to tactfully help weed those out and, and provide a, a better way forward, which is a win-win for everyone. It's better for the doctors and it's better for the patients. 
Yeah, and it can be such a confusing world. So thank you for the clarity because the labs aren't God, right? Like no. labs are important, but like you said, they're a slice of the pie when it comes to a real tactical diagnosis. So where can people learn more? Obviously, we'll link the book, but if they are experiencing this right now in their life, maybe they have numbers that are bringing up fear in them and they've been told you need to take this medicine, you need to do this. Sure. How can they begin the learning curve with you? Well, you know, thank you. It would be an honor to help anyone who is in need of help. And if you go to drrusho.com, that's uh, D-R-R-U-S-C-I-O.com, there's a, a link for our clinic there and also information for our podcast, various articles. Um, and yeah, you can plug in from there. But uh, again, would be honored to help anyone not you know, fall into some of the, the situation that you did. And I'm really glad that we spoke to prevent you from going on medication because you may have started on thyroid hormone medication and not realized for years that you didn't need it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if we can save people from that fate, then it's, uh, it's, it's a great uh, thing to be part of. Yes, man. And I'm excited to share with you some of the different tests and strategies and um, alterations that I make so that I can bring this greater world of wealth and health and health that I have. And, and it, and it was a little scary. I'll be honest. It was a little scary. The greater world that exists though, is the world of me feeling well. And how, how great is it that my brand is called wellness force and I'm here yeah. having, uh, you know, a, a journey of wellness. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your knowledge. And, um, until Michael and I see you again, we're both wishing you love and wellness and I'll keep everyone abreast of what goes on with my situation so I can share that too. So thanks, Michael. Awesome, brother. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Organifi, the creators of the Organifi Gold, my number one turmeric lemon balm and superfood adaptogen bombshell that, trust me, will make you sleep like a baby. I know this because I use it on the regular. Not only is this one of my top sleep supplements I use personally, but also it helps my nervous system and my stomach calm down at the end of the day in the evenings especially if I've had a stressful day. I know you have those too because you're human. <laughs> and because we're human, the best thing to do is take loving care of the human body, starting with quality sleep, not just quantity. This is gonna allow you to have the highest quality of life possible. So if you've been struggling with sleep, give this superfood adaptogen powder, the Organifi Gold, a test drive for a special deal over at wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. Pick up a 30-day supply, give it a test drive. If you don't like it, you can send it back, but no one's ever done that, <laughs> as far as I've heard. 20% off is the biggest discount you'll find over the entire internet. We're grandfathered in. These savings are for you. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi and use the code wellnessforce. Share this with your friends, your family, and anyone who wants to drink the gold and sleep well. Thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it, hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group, 
over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group, and I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.